This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. With me today is Hans, who... Uh, how are you? How are you holding up these days, Hans? Are you hydrated? You're not going to leave the show mid mid recording to go vomit, are you? Uh, I'm good. I think I'm good for now. I have water with me over here, so that I can just. I'm drinking a little bit of beer, not not uh, an insane amount of vodka like I did on that Civic TV recording. So uh, I should be fine for now. Well, that's um, terrific. I mean, I I thought I was going to. You know, I started out that show. Not wasted, but pretty drunk. I think you caught that only because you said when I was introducing Jerry and Anthony on Civic TV Episode 3, which will be out soon, hopefully soon. Um, Also, apologies if you guys are picking up the helicopter and sirens in the background right now. It's very faint. It's very faint. We had some... Oh, hold on. Yeah, now you can really... Now it's Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Fucking Saigon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, somebody got shot up just outside my building only minutes before this broadcast. So, uh, that's the it's very kind of, dramatic though to have helicopters and shit. It was, I, it was Biden above. <laughs> yeah. Someone's taking out old, old uncle Joe. It was corn pops revenge. <laughs> uh, uh, there were about six to nine gunshots right before we started recording. And, uh, the police are currently looking for the suspect, which, you know, I'm sure they'll, They'll find them. New York's in stable and good condition these days. Is it? No. So we're talking yeah. about Candyman 2021 tonight. And this also takes place in, around, Wait. and near the projects, right? So what? Before before we get into that, uh, because I like I like because the camera that I'm using now, you can't see the t-shirt that I'm wearing. This is a t-shirt that my mom got for me when she was in like Panama or some shit. She's a Super Mario t-shirt and I just wanted to bring it up so we can talk a little bit about the cast of that animated movie that that uh, was just announced that super mario brothers movie i just wanted to hear your thoughts on it it's such a dull cast the only <laughs> good member of that cast and i even i'm stretching the word good here is charlie day's luigi that's the only one i can moderately get behind the rest feels very cast a big name first worry about the character later chris pratt is of course playing Mario. Okay, all right. So he's he's a southern southern guy. Mario's an Italian guy, created in Italian Japan. Cartoon. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that, do you think he's they're going to make him do the impression, or do you think they're just going to use Chris Pratt's voice? I think they're just going to do like they would Sonic, where it's just uh, this is the voice of the actor, and it doesn't really matter if it sounds like the. Like the character or not, the Anna Taylor Taylor Joy one, I'm I'm a little confused by because she she's not really the charismatic type that I would God, expect. her eyes were all fucked up looking, <laughs> huh? She's like an ant. She looks like an ant that Anya Taylor Joy. She call but, her but for Aunt like an, Taylor Joy for, for for an animated movie. You know, where you, where you're supposed to emote a lot because it's a animated. I can't imagine her very monotone almost boring voice to work with a very high-pitched peach character it's supposed to be right then you have set rogan as donkey kong which i think was very offensive uh i don't know why they weren't brave enough to cast someone (laughs) (laughs) someone of not set rogan (laughs) Uh if you you get where i'm going with that um, because, uh, yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine, like you said, it just sounds like they just thought of, uh, 
celebrities that could be or could bring um, attention to this movie. Jack Black is Bowser, right? That's a terrible Which choice. I and 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 I mean, most of those characters have never said anything that resembles English anyway. It's mostly just noises. Uh, but I, I just I I don't know. I uh, I kind of want to revisit that John Leguizamo Bob Hoskins movie that. I downloaded a long time ago because we were supposed to do an episode on it last year, I think. I, I downloaded Earlier the extended version that has... To, That's what I it? watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the work print, it's not even really a director's cut, uh, but the work print of the movie, which is about 25 minutes longer and has like VHS uh, uh, cuts uh, added to the film that are just interstitial to the movie itself. By the way, Super Mario Brothers the movie from 93 or so looks great. <laughs> The set design, the yeah. characters, the special effects, it all looks terrific now, even if it was a tremendous flop when it came out. I had fun with that movie when I was a kid. I rewatched mm. it. It's look, it it's not one of those movies where it's like, oh, this is amazing. Creatively, I, I, I think it's a work of art, but it's also kind of a dull movie. Uh it's certainly slow at, at certain points and it it's a it's a not very smart film by any measure. Um it's it's I think it's an interesting piece of uh filmmaking. It's a little weird because they're trying to bring the mechanics of the game into the real world. So you have the you know the boots that make them jump faster and things like that that wouldn't really work in a real world thing, but it was also before they learn how to make that type of movie. I don't know if I'm brave enough to say that they know how to make uh movies based on video games, uh, especially because What's come out recently? Uh, Warcraft. Um, Mortal is Kombat is is the most recent one, and it's probably the highest rated yeah. one. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a uh, a brave attempt at uh, 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 turning something that seems uh, impossible to to make into a real world type of movie, uh, especially if, they, if you're trying to make it grounded. Uh, but uh, looking at it now, because I saw it recently, uh, it's like you said, at least a brave attempt. And there's a lot of creativity that comes with it, especially in the world building and how very 90s it is. Um, I'm not very hopeful about this animated one. Not that I'm going to really care that much. I haven't even seen that Sonic one because it's not, I'm not the target audience. Yeah, I was going to ask, who did the voice of Sonic in that movie? Oh, I don't really remember a lot. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, James Marsden? Or was he like the character that owned Sonic? That was the human, yeah. Uh, ben Schwartz was Sonic. From Parks, Parks and Rec. Yeah. That Thomas Middleditch variety show he did on Netflix, which was painfully yeah. unfunny. Awful. <laughs> the improv. Improv for what? Three specials, I think it was? Here's what was what really... <laughs> upset me about that is they casually panned over to members of the audience like ah we're just we're just gonna select random members and you say a word and then we're just gonna go with it and the members of the audience that they went to just so happened to be well lit and mic'd up hmm Mm. very random it's what a coincidence it really worked out for the best i think um yeah that guy Never doesn't get it. cancer. I hate him. I hate everybody from Parks Middle and Rec, from Silicon Valley. All <laughs> those shows. He, Louis C.K.? Louis C.K. was in Parks and Rec. He deserves it for not was, being braver. That's what I say. <laughs> he was a love interest. He was like the sexy man to uh, 
Amy Poehler, whatever her name is. No, that was Amy Thirty Fowler. Rock. Uh, uh, it was one. Of, oh, Amy was, Poehler was Amy Poehler. Poehler. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I was getting there confused. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Listen, we're talking about Candyman tonight, and this is a racially yes. sensitive film. This has, this is a, this is a. I thought you were drinking whipped cream for a second. I thought you had a whipped cream canister. You're bringing it to your mouth. That's what you should yeah. do every time you feel a compulsion to drink on the show. It's just, and it would be great because then you would get the foley sound. You'd get some good noise, you know. I would just be fatter every time we record. <laughs> just, just ten pounds heavier. You'll, you'll have to somewhere. stop shooting every seven minutes to have a diabetes <laughs> shot when when we're filming in November. Just the whipping shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm. So this Candy is a movie. Man. Here, here's here's something I was planning originally. Was I was going to say to you, "Hey, we should do a show on Candyman. Let's do a show on Candyman." And then, uh, you know, we'll we'll just do a show on Candyman. And the implication is I would have misled you into watching the 2021 Candyman. And I would never watch it. And I would watch the original. And then you would show up with just all the having watched 2021 all by yourself and wasted great 90 prank. minutes. It would have been a great prank for me. I don't, I don't know if it really would have worked out for the show. It would have worked out for about a minute. But then after that, miserable. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, I, I do regret watching it. Uh, if if that's what you wanted to get out. By of the that, way, I, I, this is this is the this is was your pick. You said it before I said it. This is the second ever Han selection to make it to air. The first being Dick Tracy. You did pick Candyman twenty twenty one as the second film in that series. So let it be known. Well, when they came out with that. Uh, uh, explanation of everything you know they, they put out like a press release where they would explain the racial element of it and whatever the fuck like the audience is stupid and couldn't understand that from the film i thought that okay the fact that they have to explain all of this before the movie comes out means that the movie is going to be really bad so i was really interested in how bad it was going to be because i enjoy bad movies sometimes this was not one of those enjoyable ones. I don't think, I think you probably liked it more than me uh, by just a couple of uh, messages that we shared before we recorded this because we usually try to not talk about the movie before we record. But uh, uh, this felt very uh, malignant to me where I thought I would enjoy how bad it is, but half an hour in, I was like, fuck this. Like, uh, why? Why is this even made, you know? Com- feels like completely unnecessary. Uh, and just uh, playing off the, the name, just like every other remake that's come out in the past, what, 10, 15, 20 years. So here's my background is, I watched Candyman when I was about five or six years old, and I never liked Candyman. Couldn't get into it. Just wasn't for me. Didn't find him spooky whatsoever. Never liked the series when they would play the sequels on USA or any of those networks. Just was not a fan. Never planned on watching this Candyman movie until you recommended it for the show. And I think what really secured that is that this is only a 90-minute movie. And that's maybe one of its strongest benefits um, Mm -hmm. as as a viewing experience where you're not exactly sure if you're going to enjoy it or not. I will say that I I watched this one and then I watched the original right after. So I had no real knowledge of that first movie. I knew Virginia Madsen was in it. I knew Tony Todd was in it. That was about it. And I I vaguely knew the backstory that he was murdered by some racists in the South because he got close to a white woman. And now he's 
this morally ambiguous figure haunting, even though, you know, he's technically he's like a Magneto character where he's been wronged, but now he wants to do the wrong unto everybody else. Is that kind of I was a little confused by some of the logic of this film, to be honest, with you, especially the remake. It's kind of the, the original one is very confusing uh, what it's trying to do. Well, I, mean, I know we're not supposed to talk about the original one, but, but the, the original story, it's a little bit confusing as to why the things that happen happen on the, on the remake. I guess they expect you to have that knowledge uh, because they don't really explain it to you that much. And then you have a guy that's just becoming a beehive. And, and for whatever reason, we're supposed to give a fuck about this artist that live in a, in a, expensive apartment uh an expensive building that uh wh- whose biggest struggle is you know people might not like my paintings that's right that sucks well let, um, me, let me just pause you before you continue on uh the reason why we're not going to get into that original candy man as much as we can for this show and granted again we're talking about a remake reboot sequel um yeah. to that original film is because we're going to be talking about it on the bonus show that will be released for patrons only. Uh, you're going to get a snippet of that on Thursday, but you're only going to get the video and audio if you go to patreon.com slash lowres, sign up for the $5 level. We've had some good signups this this past month. I want to keep that going so we can have a, uh, a nice, smooth uh, trip for Hans to the state of Massachusetts uh, and yeah. that he can feed himself during his stay here. So let me tell you, since my second vaccination that I had to get to be able to get into your country, I feel like a weird pain in my heart. I feel like it's doing, <laughs> oh, it, no. it definitely did. It definitely did something. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I have to prove now that I've been double vaccinated to be able to get into your fucking shit country that's fucking burning now. And uh, there's more shootings where you live than where I live now. So that's that's very reassuring. Uh Really think we should move the the headshot uh, um, production to Costa Rica, maybe where we a little bit safer than than where it is over there. But well, yeah, um... I can't really do that. <laughs> By the way, two men have been shot just outside my building. We have an official notice of that there that was go. just sent to me. So uh, <laughs> police are requesting backup. What do we got more? Oh, great, great. Cool. This is going be like an episode of Cops. We just go outside with the camera. That'll be There's nice. more people that died in that than the Candyman movie. Wait, how many people? How many people die in the Candyman movie? You have. To uh, no, I, I think a good amount of people do die in the remake. Especially, I, I mean, the first movie you do have some deaths, and then in this one, there's a lot of girls just getting wiped out for the sake of being wiped out. No, I mean up until there's a flashback at the end with the the one character who has a very good voice, great voice, laundromat owner. You know who I'm talking about? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Don't know. Darnell. That's right. Okay. Er, that's racist. Is that his name? <laughs> is that his name? <laughs> he's got a nice grisly voice, like he's abused I... tobacco and alcohol. So you got that guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You got that guy, and when we cut back to the past, that's, I, that is, I believe, the only time we see Candyman kill a black person in this movie. It's the kid's older sister and her friend, right? Can we talk about how Tony Todd was completely misused in this? Well, he wasn't supposed... Here's what I think happened, okay? I have a suspicion here that people were a little... 
Well, I mean, I, I don't think that they have much concern these days for the horror crowd. But was Sonic released by Universal? Ooh. Or was that... I, was it Paramount or Universal? Uh, hold on, I have it right here. Uh, Sonic was Paramount. Was Paramount. And then this movie was what? Universal and MGM? and uh yeah (laughs) maybe blumhouse was in there or monkey's paw which is jordan peele's company it doesn't really matter i think with the sonic thing a precedent had been set where if the internet voices their voices their opinion loud enough then they'll consider making adjustments to that and what we saw was that people people were a little upset when they released the first trailer in 2019 or so and there was no tony todd and people in the horror community were griping about that because he's the definitive Candyman. He's de facto Candyman. Right. And I think mm-hmm. maybe during the pandemic when the movie got delayed, they thought about it a little. And they already had one actress from the original movie in this, right? They had uh, one of the survivors of that original film. Um, I, I feel like maybe they decided to throw in Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen at the last minute, because if you take a look at the like news clippings or whatever, where they're talking about her character in the original, that the, the lead of this movie, Anthony pulls up on the computer, looks very poorly Photoshopped. It's not layered in very well. There's no texture to it. It it looks like something somebody would throw together in about 10 minutes. And then they just slanted it for the screen. And that was it. That was supposed to be an old newspaper. And then at the very end, you do have Tony Todd's face come up. And this is a spoiler. Fuck it. Who cares? We don't believe in spoilers on this show. The movie is what it is. Tony Todd's face comes up. And I guess to that one surviving character, she's just supposed to accept that this is... that. I, I mean, what is the significance of that to her? It's a total audience, um, you know, pleaser. Well, the... the and And... This is something that confused me when, when I first... Well, I only watched it once, obviously, because I don't think it was worth watching more than once. But right at the beginning, when they're, when they're uh, doing a little bit of exposition with the little child that's doing laundry, uh, and then the Candyman just comes out of a hole in the wall within the first five minutes, I think it is. Uh, and he just looks very old and not scary at all. He looks more like a like a crackhead that's just there leaping on the wall for whatever reason. What the hell is wrong with you, Connor? Innocent black man. He just loves giving candy to kids. (laughs) Hey, you like how they just played that off like it's a normal, innocent, wholesome thing, like there's nothing else going on there? He just likes Mm -hmm. giving out candy to the neighborhood children. This man in a coat with a hook for a hand. Yeah. How dare the police come beat up a man that gives candy to children when they're by themselves in a basement? <laughs> yes. This man who's been living inside the walls of the this project's <laughs> yeah. building gives candy to children, has a hook for a hand. Not threatening mm. whatsoever. By the way, we talked about this a little bit, right? But in this movie, it's like white people are just like a different animal than human. It's like the it's yeah. like it reminds me of the family guy joke where they cut to like, oh, this is more racist than Spike Lee's perception of white people in in one of his movies. And they just have like a white person growling like a dog or something like this. this that's in exactly what we see here. The only one that is humanized whatsoever is the gay boyfriend who you thought was Arab. He could have been Arab for yeah. all I know uh, of the gay black guy in, in the beginning. And then other than that. 
they're either superficial and asshole or just two-dimensionally evil cop. Like, the cops are, are completely, <laughs> like, monsters For in no this reason. movie. For no reason. They There's just throw no... up this guy on the ground. They just shoot him because why not? It's insane. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's crazy how cartoonish the – like, it reminded yeah. me of the movie Blind Spotting, where you have the Ethan Embry cop character who guns down somebody, and it clearly didn't deserve to be gunned down. The dude was just like – Whatever he 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 committed a crime. He was running, but he didn't have it. He wasn't armed. He gets shot. It reminded me of that, but it was even more cartoonish than that. It was absurd, and and the ending especially where you have two like dead black guys on the ground. One is dying. One is dead, and the cops rush in. And she's holding one, and then they just shoot him anyway. They load him full of bullets because fuck it, he's black, right? That's the yes. that's the that's the cognitive skills of the average police officer is they see a black man lying yeah. down and they go i gotta empty my gun into this guy he's a threat he's trying to outsmart well, me. he's that... on the ground he i didn't expect him to be on the ground i gotta kill him is that south park thing? i don't know if you're very familiar with south park but there's an episode where uh they justify hunting animals by just saying it's coming right at us and just for that you can just shoot any animal you want that's what it felt like, where it's just like they're posing no threat to anyone. He's being held by this woman, and then they just shoot him because reasons, because they're evil. And then at the end, uh, the the guy is trying to, the cop is trying to convince her to say that, oh no, well the the, the guy was coming at us, so you know you should just say that that that's why we shot him or whatever. Uh, also, it felt very um, just pushed in at the end like there's no racial element to this movie throughout the entirety of the movie uh to the point where the there's what like maybe three or four white characters you have the the um gallery owner like the chubby bearded guy that's kind of weird that's very terrible actor oh total cut just an utterly hateable character where his behavior i mean listen the, the the lead character anthony when he finds out that the gallery owner and his girlfriend, who's in a Joy Division crop top, uh, get murdered brutally, he's just like smiling. He's just happy. Yeah. Um, it's like, which, oh, they, they said my name. That's cool. Right. And then there's a very cartoonish reaction of the gay character and his girlfriend of just very, <laughs> what, what am I watching? What is this? Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. That, if so, someone could okay, just so, screen cap Hans's face right there and then put that with Kino going like, yeah. just make soy jacks out of those. You could have the movie's soy jack Great. collection. Um, uh, wonderful. Uh, I feel like, but hold on. I feel like, I, I, I don't mean to like get hung up on this. I feel like that's a sentiment of the filmmakers toward white people though. I, maybe that was just me. My interpretation of it was just like, yep. <laughs> gotcha this time. I, I mean, I would... I wouldn't be surprised, but it also it feels very uh, like not. They don't really go into it at all. Like it's very surface level. Like they're evil, so this is why they're dying. They're bad. You know, there, there's no no explanation as to why they're bad. It's just well, you're black, so I'm going to be bad now. Uh, the they have the um, art critic that goes there and pretty much says, "Oh well, this thing is silly with a mirror. <laughs> this this sucks." Uh, which causes the the main Anthony character to have possibly the worst drunk acting I've ever seen in a movie, uh, where he's just stumbling and saying "fuck you" to people, just like 
I don't know what, what they were going for. Uh, and then once people get killed, then she's all of a sudden very interested in him and his art to the point where she invites him to her apartment. There's a bit of weird sexual tension there where we don't know if she's trying to like fuck him or like get information from him. And then she convinces her to say Candyman five times so that she can meet Candyman or whatever the fuck. Uh, so you have those three characters. I, I don't remember if the the teenager that that is uh, dating the the gallery director or whatever is also white. I think she, she she I don't know if she was white or like Latina or something. But oh no, she was a basic whatever. bitch, she, total total was, just like average Brooklyn style white girl. Absolutely. Okay. Well. They, she, she gets killed uh, in an actual, uh, actually gruesome. Very, uh, it, it looked good. That, that I, I didn't mind that death, like the the neck cutting look look alright. But then after that, after those three characters, I don't remember any other white character until the cops get there, just at the end when they just play, like you said, this caricature of what a cop or like an evil cop supposed to be. Well, uh, so the, the, another reason why I think there's like an anti-white sentiment to this movie is because you have the teenage girls in the bathroom and the only one who has the sense to excuse herself is the Asian girl. And so you get a bunch of white girls being butchered, being stupid idiots and then gradually getting picked off one after another. Is that the only time when they show characters that have nothing to do with the story being killed by Candyman? Yes, I I believe so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird, it it feels like a, why is that? Why is it even there? That scene? And you have the black girl in the bathroom. I don't think she's related to the um, the story at large, no. right? No. So it feels like it was either in. thrown in in reshoots for trailers or something to mislead people because they thought, oh, well, this will look good. This will appeal to the white girl demo, you know, who will maybe go see this movie. Uh, I, I can't really make sense of it. I didn't mind the scene, to be honest with you. But, it, yeah, it felt very pointless to the rest. And also, maybe it was just padding. Maybe they realize, ah, oh, fuck, we have like an 80-minute movie here. Who's showing it, up for an 80 feels, Who's paying $50 in movie tickets for an 80-minute film? But it feels very weird, uh, especially where they put it, uh, when it comes to the story and how the story of our main character is going along, that that's just thrown in there. Doesn't really do anything other than show Candyman killing people off screen. Uh, but then... Like at that point, the story has moved forward enough where the effect that that might have doesn't really do anything for the story other than, well, I guess there's people that get killed for this. Not that we're going to show it in any other scene other than this. So it felt really pointless, like you said. It felt felt very much like padding, very much like there's no connection from this to the, um, the rest of the story. And Again, especially if you compare it to the the original one where everything kind of fits into the same world, it, it really felt like, well, we have this scene where, where Candyman kills this this young girl, so let's just throw it in here in the middle of this transformation that our main character is having into a honeycomb, which you liked for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I thought it was different. I thought it was a little weird looking. I, I didn't mind. I, I'm, look, anytime there's body horror and they use actual prosthetics or makeup, I'm a fan of that. I like that there seemed to be a reason why he was deteriorating and he was kind of becoming Candyman, but a new variation of that. I he don't know. He stung by a bee, right? He gets yeah. stung by a bee and then his arm starts rotting and he's like all. Became a honeycomb. Weird. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I here's something I didn't really follow. And I'll tell you what, I didn't mind the new 
older version of like Candyman for this movie. I thought that guy was kind of creepy and they didn't even need to delve into the pedophilic angle. I think it's just implied. I think there's a, a base level. What clearly there's something wrong with this guy, uh, you know, feeling toward that, uh, that, that guy was fine. I thought most of the performances from the lead actors anyway, were fine. Uh, as a horror film, it's not bad. It's certainly not the worst. You're, I think you're right that I did wind up enjoying this more than you did. I'd probably, honestly, mm. I was thinking about where I would put this on Letterboxd. It falls right in the middle from for the year. I think it's right behind the new Mortal Kombat. So, okay. And I also enjoyed that one, I think, more than you. So yeah, I would probably give this about, to just like reveal my hand a little early, um, somewhere between two and a half to three stars out of five. Yeah. Yeah, I did, I saw I, you I, didn't give that. I saw you gave it one star. No. You're, yeah, you're not I, tolerating I just, it. I, I thought that uh, whatever. I, I just don't think that visually it did anything interesting that's not being done by modern day horror movies for the past ten years. Like, um, it, the the aerial shots because right at the beginning they do the aerial shots like they use on the original one, but. It's, it feels like more abstract. Like they don't really do anything for the story. It's just like a credit type of thing. Um, there's a couple of really nice wide shots where the characters just come in and interact with each other that we're all right. But I just, I don't know. Everything felt really hokey. And I also feel like um, whenever you have people like Jordan Peele, uh, who I don't really hate, I just don't think that he's the master horror maker that a lot of people think he is um he's obviously not interacted with real people in a long time and the people that are writing this type of movies are not really interacting with real people uh so whenever you try to create relatable characters they always have like the same look on their face of like very smirky very like very this of like they're very snarky with each other yeah. and the, the gay characters are always like the gayest person you've ever met or you've ever seen to the point where they become a cartoon where all of these representation which this was supposed to be like a you know this is the the horror movie for black people or whatever and then you have a couple of gay characters thrown in there but then they, they don't put enough effort into making them relatable or making them human and then they just become like a very superficial version of who those characters are supposed to be uh again i shouldn't be compared to original because just because i think it's so much superior not that i think the original is faultless but the interactions that the characters have with the, the real people you don't get any of that here everyone in this movie is either a, an artist uh an, a snob or like a rich person or the laundromat guy who's just creepy because he's supposed to be creepy uh, so there's no one that you can connect with or, or anyone that you can root for uh, to succeed in this movie. It, it's very much just, uh, and I don't know if this is it on on uh, on purpose, but just so that you don't care if they die, but there's no likable characters here. There's no one that's like down to earth. There's no one that's like, well, I'm, I'm going through this really crazy, weird shit with this guy that comes out of mirrors, but everyone just has like a very smirky face to everything so so when it comes to horror and that the uh the way it's supposed to hit you it never feels like anyone's uh in danger and then they just die very quickly so it's just like all right well very disposable characters that i at least can connect with uh and then i, I guess it, that comes from 
the people that are writing these movies don't really interact with regular people. So whenever they try to write someone that's supposed to be relatable, they can't. And and that's an issue that a lot of modern movies, uh, especially modern horror movies, have where back in the day, uh, most of these movies would have a, a main character that's flawed, a main character that's a little bit relatable that you could put yourself in the shoes and be like, all right, well, this situation will be fucked up if I was them. Here, everyone's rich, everyone's successful, everyone's snobby. They go out for dinner and everyone that's having dinner with them is kind of shittier than the person that's sitting next to them. So there's right. no one that you can connect with at all. So when they die, it's kind of like, yeah, well, who cares? Like, it's gruesome and, oh, scary, I guess. But the connection that you have with those characters, uh, at least to me, I don't know if, if I'm just like the, the wrong uh, um demographic for this but i just don't feel any connection with any of them so there's nothing impactful about it it feels like it just starts and ends and you're just like all right well i i really didn't care about anything that happened in this movie yeah i would probably i would co-sign that but that 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 doesn't typically bother me that much when it comes to films i think it's a lot easier to swallow if there's some charm to whatever yeah. the closest thing to an audience surrogate is. We don't have one in this movie. The closest thing is what? Anthony's fiance or his wife. And she's well, no, because... completely characterless up until the third act where he disappears <laughs> because... because he falls into this Candyman role. But even when he's like at the end, when she becomes outraged by his paintings, his paintings are actually good. Like if you're an artist and you look at the painting that he's making when he's going crazy, it's just portraits of the Candyman character. Those portraits are awesome. And she sees them and she's like, oh no, what's happening? This, what the hell? And it's like, why would you react that way to him actually showing some art, creativity and, and skills when at the beginning they show a painting that he did that looks like a 10-year-old did it? You know, the, the yeah, one with the yeah. red hands or whatever. So that, that that was kind of confusing to me also because it's like, all right, so you're supposed to really be uh, this person that cares about art and cares about his career. But once he starts showing actual progress and like some creativity to them, then you're like, oh, no, you're going crazy. That's weird. So that that also felt very disconnected to me. I, I and, and I'm not someone that puts themselves in movies or like has have to relate to a character. This character has to look like me or feel like me or think like me for me to care. But the disconnection between the characters that we're supposed to care about and the way they react to the world that they're in, uh, it feels just very shallow and very uninteresting for me to care about anything that happens. So then at the end, you just kind of like, Okay, cool. 90 minutes of this, I guess. I'm going to say something controversial right now. I like this Candyman better than the original Candyman. Okay. Uh, my opinion on that really has more to do with the fact that this feels like... This at least, I think, feels like a... As far as horror movies go, like a good, concise 90-minute horror movie goes and a modern mm. horror movie goes... This one, I think, some of the creative choices with the Candyman character and the backstory. Look, the backstory is kind of weak in itself, yeah. but I like the yeah. visual execution of certain things. I think this one moves a lot faster, and it's a mm -hmm. little more interesting um, than the original film, where it gets a little too caught up in Virginia Madsen's character's domestic affairs, and it really becomes her movie. It has nothing... Yeah. At, at the end, by the end of it, it really has very little to do with Candyman. 
It, it's a total bait and switch. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I we'll get into that more on the on the second show we wind up doing. I don't want to uh, show my hand too much on that. But I, I, yeah. I definitely had a much easier time getting through Candyman twenty twenty one than I did the original film from the early 90s and I, I i didn't expect it when i did wind up going back to that i didn't expect it to be so tied into that and mm. how everything they were talking about was just another version of what happens in that first film you know some things aren't exactly one-to-one with what plays out in the movie and also, by the way, the cops in the early 90s Candyman are much more understanding to black people in yeah. violent affairs than they are. Let's let's just go let's take have a have a look at both of these, okay? Virginia Madsen apparently or maybe was framed for decapitating a Rottweiler, assaulting a woman and taking a baby in the black woman's apartment, right? Yeah. The cops show up. Nobody gets shot. <laughs> they apprehend the Virginia Madsen character, Helen. Yeah. As opposed to the end of this movie, two black men laying down on the ground, clearly <laughs> injured. We have to, we have to shoot them. We had to do it. It's coming right for us. Yeah. Yeah. There's far less yeah. nuance to it in, in this one. And also it seems very confused about the angle it wants to take with the Candyman character. If it's trying to mm-hmm. position him as somehow he's evil, but he's our evil. The cops are the real evil. That's the outside evil. That's the other evil we can use the Candyman to take out. He has a purpose here. And that kind of seems to be like the guy's M.O. who resurrects Candyman, who uses the Anthony character to embody the Candyman. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, we've been on a cycle. We've been tra- we have to have Candyman back. Yeah, but but I also feel like that 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 just felt like that scene with the teenage girls where they forgot that they were supposed to bring this racial uh, anti-cop sentiment to it, and then at the end they just pat it uh, because nothing happens with the cops up until that point uh, where we show how evil they are, how much they're mistreating the community or whatever. Uh, it's all about this guy trying to discover who this Candyman is and, and dealing with the fact that he's becoming him or whatever. But that's why that's why there was a lot of uh, disconnection with me with this because at the end, um, once he becomes the Candyman and the Honeycomb Man, um, then the cops show up and it's like, oh well, cops are bad, and you know we're doing this thing because cops are bad, but they don't show any of it. Is it? There's a lot of very. Uh, tell and not show in this movie when it comes to that that by the time that the cops show up and they're evil you're just kind of like oh that's kind of weird why was that not an aspect or you know why why was he not beaten up or had any type of interaction with a cop throughout the movie until he becomes Candyman, and then all of a sudden cops are evil and you know let's kill him or whatever uh you know it, it felt very much like tacked at the end like they forgot uh, throughout the movie and then within the next the last 10 minutes they're like oh yeah um cops are bad uh black fist or whatever the fuck you know yeah what did you think of the uh puppetry or the the shadow Uh, puppets that was very corny (laughs) yeah that was well that was what 30 seconds and then the little boy it's like playing with shadow puppets of a cop chasing a black man 
why, why? I uh, all right. I, I like, didn't. Okay, I didn't. I, I didn't mind the aesthetic of it. I thought it was very uh, Baba Doom. It looked good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it looked it, good. It looked good, but then it doesn't. It's not explored at all for the rest of the movie until the end. So, you know, so it's like the cast and crew of this movie should be deeply upset that the end credit scroll got pushed to the side for the puppet show at the end of the movie. Cause I couldn't make out a single person's name in that cast and crew. Imagine you did those puppets and then all of a sudden your credit, your credit is suddenly going to be this. It's going to be this. Okay. Yeah. You have to make, you have to read a name like this, just how you see my hand. That's how you have to read their name. And they work so hard on that. doesn't matter. But Jordan Peele's name was pretty. Oh, big. well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll do, we'll, take it to the side after we read Jordan Peele's name. Make no mistake. Uh, this does feel less like a Jordan Peele movie than I expected, although it certainly has the activist angle and the ooh, creepy, spooky, whatever. Um, but I, I, I think I expected it more to feel like us or Get Out than it wound up feeling. This feels right. like a darker, harder, more aggressive film than either of those, which, I mean... Good for the director. What's her name? Nia da Costa, I think, or something okay. like that. I think that's actually uh, correct, or close enough. Yeah, Nia da Costa. What else has she done? Uh, I'm not certain. I she, I could be wrong. This might be her first feature. She did a movie called Little Woods in 2018 that I'm not familiar with. A modern western about two sister who work, sisters who work outside the law to better their life. Sure. Yeah, no, i it's probably her, well, her biggest movie, definitely. Um, Listen, I, do you think, hold on, do you think that this movie is getting a lot of pushback simply because of the era that we live in where anything that is corporate and has activism infused is met with such hostility? Um, do you think that this film is really lesser than the two sequels to that Candyman movie from the early 90s or the original Candyman? I'm not familiar with the sequels. I didn't even know there were sequels because the the original Candyman I saw it today for the first time ever. I've never seen anything from that character. Um, I just don't think that there was any type of social message here that worked, other than well, aren't cops bastards at the end? Uh, so if they were trying to portray that throughout the movie, I think they did a pretty shit job at it. Uh, especially because none of the struggles that any of the characters go through have to do with the cops at all until the very end. Uh, so I I was confused by that message, especially because, like I said, the the material that they put out explaining everything before the movie even came out felt like there was going to be more of that, felt like it was going to be more of a woke angle to it, and that there's not really much of a woke angle through it throughout until the end. Um, so I, I so don't you're know complaining what it wasn't woke is. enough. I I'm complaining that um and I I don't know if if this is right, but I feel like if this movie was a little bit longer, maybe, and you do a little bit more of that, it wouldn't feel so disconnected and disjointed. When so you're it's trying more to bring that element. It's more an inconsistency. Yeah, okay. because because they they never feel like a threat right until the end, where the the bad guy oh what's his name i think you said the name of the bad guy the bad the guy, guy is candy man no no the guy that cuts his arm and like the laundromat guy robin williams 
yeah, but Robin Williams' character, uh, he's the one that brings the police element into it. Um, he's not really a big part of the movie other than telling the exposition of the, the story of the character. Um, so, so when the cops show up, it, it doesn't really feel like anything other than we don't know how to end this movie, so let's just blame cops and kill them and then... the. Yeah, I, I don't know what the message was supposed to be, but I didn't really get any type of activist message w with this movie. That's why I think maybe if you had another half hour, not that I wanted to see more of this, but if you have another half hour where you, you might pepper that into the movie where maybe the struggles that the characters go through have something to do with white supremacy or racism or whatever it is that they were trying to say, it would have maybe worked a little bit better, but it really felt like they were just patting the end with it because they didn't know how to end the movie. I somewhat agree. I do think it falls apart in that third act. Once they embrace the more active horror elements, it just kind of gets confusing and silly. And uh, the laundromat owner character, can you just look up his name on IMDb so we don't have to keep trying to find ways to describe him? Uh, his whole motivation feels kind of, forced and then yeah the whole cop angle really derails the entire movie um even if it fits within you know it's like bookends i guess what's his name i don't i don't i don't know that's the thing because i don't want to be you don't recognize him what say, he doesn't say someone else hold on uh because <laughs> oh no that's not him i'm trying to look for a picture but i don't see any of i don't see him in any of the pictures Jameson, let's say. Good. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Jameson character, but the, the character kind of looks like him. So let's say Jameson. Carl Clemens Hopkins. That's the that's the actor. Or is it, no, wait, is it William Burke? Would it be William? Yeah, William Burke. Okay, so William Burke is the character's name. He has a first uh, and last name. Wow, that's so much yeah. development. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so he, he is probably like the... Up until the end, anyway, where he... he they. They didn't give him very good material to work with. He's he got such a killed, great. He gets killed so easily by her. Too. Yes, that it's was just... complete. That felt very like Wonder Woman e to me. She's yeah. oh, what she have a pen in her hand, and yeah. uh, so her first method of how she was going to assault him didn't work out for whatever reason. I think she couldn't lift something, which is like all right. I I, I think that's kind of a funny misdirect. And then she just has a pen and stabs him, and then he goes ah. He goes like ah, this at her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He it's just sad. he's taken back. He's in awe of the pen that just went right into his cheek, and then she. You know, this guy that just cut Candyman's arm to put a hook into it, and this evil character that turned this artist into a honeycomb man just gets killed by a. That's pen. what stops him is a quick pen, <laughs> pen jut right to the cheek. Yeah, that 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 yeah. believe that that seems believable to me. Uh, even though, yeah, again, he sawed off a man's arm in about 13 seconds flat. Didn't flinch at all. But a quick stab, yeah. that doesn't matter. And then she, he doesn't fight back at all. He just lays on the ground, lets her it's fucking just... turn his face into chunks of, of blood and guts and mush with that pen. Anyway, he dies off camera, yeah. off camera of course. They don't want to show any <laughs> gore. They want to keep it nice and clean. They were going for a PG-13 at the end of the day. Uh, Candyman shows up. He doesn't do much of anything. And then uh, she gets taken into the car, and then he eventually wipes out all the police officers. And it turns out this is now, he's every Candyman, right? Or he's just Tony Todd. He's the original Candyman now. 
Yeah, cool. A CG Candyman, by the way. I don't know. Right. If you know I, right do we do we know if Tony Todd actually showed up to the movie, or was this a face app? Well, was this? I thought. Did they t- use the Reface app on from the iTunes Store and just get Tony Todd's whatever, voice? For whatever reason, I thought they used Tony Todd for the old Candyman, but I'm not, now that you say that, I'm not even sure. If no, they didn't. They no, no, no. That was not Tony Todd at all. It was a guy who kind of vaguely. He doesn't have the same face shape as him. They went with a fairly silent, odd-looking, creepy, older black dude. Uh, he was not Candyman. But they, what they alluded to with the paintings was that there were multiple candy men throughout the years. So maybe it started with the Tony Todd original character, gradually worked its way up to this guy, which the, the flashback sequence has a 70s vibe to it, right? But... It's it's not nineteen seventies. It's it would be about two thousand or something. It would be like ninety nine. Yeah. But they don't know what, yeah. what, what era anything takes place in. Yeah. Timeline makes no sense. But it's fine. See, like the way you're describing it makes it sound like you liked it less than what you were saying. Well, here's the thing. It's... I can recognize the faults in this movie and then also see that this is not that bad of a film. There are just things about it that don't make sense to me because I'm not well-versed on the lore or whatever, or, or maybe the acting is a little flaky or I, or I have like a personal grudge with maybe the filmmaker's perspective on things, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the film still measures up to a certain level of quality, especially for a horror film nowadays. Now, will I rewatch it? No, I I won't. (laughs) But I don't think that this would be a bad time at the movies if you're paying $11 a ticket. It's a Saturday matinee and you're with a girl or something. This is fine. But if you're remaking something, I don't think you should be dependent on people knowing what the lore is like it's a star wars issue right where it's like well you would no, know what right. this is if you if you read the five novels that came after this movie and this character that's from this other book that you know if you're remaking something especially with the name of the original one i don't think the lore should be dependent on the sequels or even the original one you should you're, be... you're not wrong listen i i do think one of the mistakes they made was trying to initially make it accessible to people who didn't have any uh, you know, familiar feelings with the original series of Candyman films. And they start that way. They introduce a brand new Candyman, but they abandon that midway through to connect it to that first film. And then they lean into that a little too much and just scrap everything that came before and, and render it irrelevant. So it gets it, it creates like a confused... It doesn't want to be a remake, but it is a remake. And it doesn't want to be a reboot, but it is a reboot. And yet it's a sequel. It's a direct sequel to that first yeah. film. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. And it's trying to appease all three of those categories and winds up taking away from itself in the, in, in, in the effect of that. Right. So... uh one star that's what you're saying no it's not it's not a one star movie in my opinion i know to you it's a one star movie this is not a one star movie like i said it's about two and a half to three stars i'm feeling more like a three star at the moment it's i wouldn't say this is malignant bad malignant feels deliberately terrible at times and then accidentally should we should we end this episode with a with a short malignant review absolutely because i don't want to do it I don't want to do an episode of that. Fuck I don't no! Want to I never. Stuff. No, I, I. I could never. I did a double feature yeah. of Cry Macho, followed by Malignant. 
because I have HBO. Listen, I really I, a lot of people get high. Oh, the movie theaters are dying. The theaters are dead. I could give a shit. Listen, I I don't care. Especially the movies we get today, they belong on streaming. You want me to go to the theater to go see what mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan is is cooking up for two and a half for two hours fifty nine minutes? It's just silent English faces on the screen. Please. This is very loud sounds that you can't even hear anything. Like It's just a plane movie. propeller for about 98 minutes of the movie. What the yeah, fuck? No. You want me to pay $32 to see that in IMAX? I think not. So listen, I watched Cry Macho. I'll just give a review and we'll get into Malignant. Cry Macho was not as good as I was hoping it to be. It's not Gran Torino level. It's not even the mule level. I like a good oh. hard-edged R-rated Clint Eastwood. But it's a feel-good family yeah. film. The Mexican in the in the movie, the Mexican kid, doesn't act well, but no kid acts well in a film, so fuck it, who cares? Um, what, what's his name? Dwight Yoakam, the country singer? He has a weird yeah. performance where he's just like a bloated looking... He's, he looks like... Uh, well, I don't really know who he looks like, to be honest with you, but he's just in a black shirt. He's got a hat on, a cowboy hat on. He's trying to hide his gut, disguise it the he's best old. he can. He's not the same Dwight Yoakam from (laughs) Sling Blade from 25 years ago. He's not that guy anymore. But he he does okay. He's not that old. Wow. He's only 64. He looks like shit for 64. 64 is old, dude. Look, 64 is not old, old. It's not clean. It's like 90s. (laughs) Does he not look better than Dwight Yoakam in that movie? Listen, yeah, maybe. Okay. Fair enough. But few people can measure up to a Clint Eastwood. The, the current president of the United States is having a hard time <laughs> making sentences. Clint Eastwood is directing and starring in films. So The Mule, it feel, it, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. It's more like if Cry this Macho. was released in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Cry Macho. If it was released in 94, it would be a good PG, wholesome family film that would go probably to the movie theater and then you'd buy it on video and it would come in a clamshell. It would be fine. Look, it, it's, it's okay. Cry Macho, it's fine. Malignant, that's a piece of shit. That movie. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'm oh, a little more generous God. to it because it feels like James Wan knows it's a piece of shit. And he has like CSI music cues. He's got uh, NCIS fucking style acting. It looked like they wanted to get that one black girl from Rent and from Death Proof in the movie to play the cop character. The, the like vaguely Filipino, Hispanic looking cop. You know who I'm talking about? Who they wish they got Henry Golding for, but it was just some other guy. Whoever showed up to Central Casting that day. Um, Uh, The the thing that really bugs me, though, about Malignant, and this also is why The Conjuring 3 might be my worst film of the year, is because all the sets are fake, right? mm -hmm. There's maybe one set for the house, and 30%, I guarantee you, if you showed up that day on the set, 30% of the set would just be green squares, right? Yeah. You might have a couch. You might have something, a window, maybe. A bed. Yeah. Right. But yeah, bed, a couple of chairs. The rest would all be green. So I don't, I don't, I hate that. I really dislike that. And it seems like the CG today is just getting worse. And either one of two things is happening. They're becoming so reliant on CGI that they've gotten lazier and they know the audience will accept lesser CG. And this was the problem with The Conjuring as well, where they couldn't go film on a cliff. They couldn't just go out to fucking Northern California for a day or not even. I guarantee you in Los Angeles, they could have found exactly where they needed without a problem. 
And yet they still had, oh, Patrick Wilson, he's falling off a cliff. And it's clearly just like he's laying on a green mat. Yeah. It's horrible. It takes you right out of the movie. Um, it, it, they, they just don't have skilled digital artists that can pull that off over at Warner Brothers working on these. And maybe they do because I think some of the scenes in Justice League, clearly CG, but look good. <laughs> look, it's the number one Blu-ray in the country, Hans. It's the number one best-selling <laughs> film. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I enjoy Justice League more than Malignant, so uh, I'll, I'll there, give you there that. We go. Uh, I think it's probably the best I, HBO Max exclusive. All right, sure. Okay, uh, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Right, it's, uh, run ah, its money. It's a contention. Uh, my, my my biggest issue with Malignant was that I came into it as uh, okay. Well, I'm not supposed to be taking this seriously. This is supposed to be like a giallo, you know, where the acting is supposed to be not great. Uh, but the lighting will be interesting and the cinematography will be interesting. And then none of that happens. Uh, the acting is horrendous. Uh, some of the worst main character acting I've ever seen of this woman that I didn't believe anything she was saying. And again, I don't know if it was on purpose like that because it doesn't feel like it's on purpose. Like everything feels very earnest and like they're trying their best. Well, hold but... on a second. Let me let me stop you right there. It feels like the actors are trying their best and they, they're giving an earnest performance. But I think James Wan yeah. knows they, they're all shit. I think James Wan recognizes that these people belong on a CBS procedural and not in a big blockbuster movie. And that's why it's so ridiculous. Like the, the character, the malignant character is so insanely retarded. Just the concept and what they're going to have us believe that this tumor, yeah. this twin that was born and it's been existing in the back of her head the entire time. It, it it's, it's it so out of by being it was awakened by being hit on the wall by the husband, right? You know, the husband hits his her head on the wall, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden, this guy's awake. Look, it, I good for him for <sighs> pulling off such a stupid idea with such a big budget. Warner Brothers going, you can't do any <laughs> wrong, make, James. Well, was that in, in theaters? I thought? I believe it went to theaters. Uh, yeah, all the all all the movies that are going to HBO Max come out in theaters the same day, but it's going to be a limited run. Um. Because oh, nine million, nice. It, it made, made nine, nine million. million. Yeah. See, I the don't best. know if that's good or not, though. I don't. I, I, if this was 2019, we would be talking about how big of a flop that is. I don't know yeah. if because of the the current theater situation, if that's good or not. Well, the budget was 40 million, so holy that shit, sound very good. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine spending 40 million dollars on this on that? Like that's the thing that I'm just like, I, uh, there's it's nothing all about this movie. Yeah, and and they didn't yeah. even do their job well enough. It's all digital artists, and, and I think look, I I don't like Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen went on a great YouTube show that I love to watch called Quarter Crew, and it's just a bunch of VFX artists sitting down and watching good CG, bad CG, and breaking down how they did certain things. Can't recommend that show enough. He, I guess, is a fan of that show also and said, hey, can I come on sometime? We'll talk about Green Hornet and everything else and uh, the interview. So he popped in there and he explained it very well because apparently he has tried many times to get miniatures in movies instead of doing CG planes and cars and airplanes or whatever. And studios shut down anything relating to the notion of practical effects because they think if it's if it's a technology that's older than like five or ten years, it's not going to look good on screen. It's going to look dated. It's going to look very poor. So they they fight tooth and nail to go in the digital direction. And at the end of the day, it's their money you're working with. 
you wind up having to bend the knee to that. And that that's, I think, ultimately what we're seeing is um, they, the filmmakers anyway, they care about that sort of thing. I don't think James Wan really does care about that sort of thing. I don't get the impression at all from his earliest of films. It seems like he's very yeah. all in on, on technology of digital effects. Uh, and I'm not looking, I, I look, I'm not poo-pooing digital effects. I think when, when you can pull it off and it looks good, then it looks great, right? I mean, but the, the trick to that is blending it in with things that are actually there and creating layers between reality and what you're adding in artificially. But I, I, I do think there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, you have matte paintings and backgrounds of older movies from like the 90s and before that. And, um, you know, like Windows. I, we're going to talk about Candyman in a second. The, uh, the Helen character right outside her window so bright out at night yeah. uh, and it's clearly just a photograph that they, they blew up and they put as the background still looks a hell of a lot better than any digital effects which Warner Brothers loves doing right now is the establishing shot of the city and it looks like Sim City it looks like this mm-hmm. you're playing the Sims the Matrix 4 trailer they open with that yeah. right it, it looks <laughs> terrible Malignant yeah. did that as well that was one of my biggest complaints with Malignant. Fake cities. Why? You can just put a camera right outside the fucking window. It'll look great. It'll look good. Just go to yeah. the roof. It'll look It's a drone. Fine. Yeah. How cheap is to get a drone now? Drone yeah. shots are so overdone nowadays because of how cheap and simple and easy they are. And they're going, well, that's why we can't use it. Is it, it it's too good for too cheap. Let's create fake buildings and we'll add those in. And it's the stupidest thing. It's going to... There's going to come a point where they lean too, and it's coming soon, they lean too far into that, and the movies that are made for billions of dollars are going to look like video games, and people that are making movies on their own for hundreds of thousands of, do- uh, hundreds of, thousands of dollars, or like a million dollars, or two million dollars, are going to have authentic looking movies. And all the blockbuster shit, I think, is going to get weeded out. We're just going to have a, a moment of pause on everything in that. Because it's not going to have any charm to it. It's not going to be bad to the point where we can look back on 90s films, right? Johnny Mnemonic and go, <laughs> oh, five years after that, people are like, that movie sucks. You never want to watch that. And then 15 years later, it's like, well, the, the aesthetics in this are cool. Or Lawnmower yeah. Man 2, where you see like the most ridiculous 3D effects. Future World. I've never seen Future World or West World. Those those the old ones that have Michael like, a Crichton very weird. Michael directed and wrote yeah. West World. Yeah, so some of the weird effects of that film we've reached a point where it looks too like too close to reality to have any negative charm that can come back around and become an aesthetic, I think. And there's well, very little big, room to improve uh, from that point. That's a big problem too, because uh, like what you're saying about uh, studio executives saying that, well, if this is an older technology or whatever, it's not going to look in, good in five years. This doesn't look good now. So yeah. what is this? going to look like in five years when already it does not look good once it comes out so it's very short-sighted very and and the worst thing is that it's more expensive that if you were doing it the old way too so it takes more money to look shittier uh and it makes it harder for you to even connect with with what's happening because you're immediately like oh that's a green screen that sucks i think it's a time thing i think it really comes down to if you're going to use miniatures if you're going to use practical sets and effects you got to employ a lot of people uh, i do think it probably 
is the same amount of money, maybe nowadays, probably less. I, I would bet you it's less, uh, but it's going to come down to time. You can make revisions in the editing bay in Adobe or whatever they use, Blender, a hell of a lot faster than if somebody mucks it up behind the scenes and they just like put push the race car a little too hard and all of a sudden there's you know listen there's so many workarounds to that though and here's here's the point i I didn't get around to finishing which was i don't know if it's that they don't have technically skilled artists it could just be a money thing where uh they've only got so much time and money to work with and and it doesn't look up to stuff right certainly with malignant where the house looks fake the sets look fake you can clearly tell like even in the interrogation room, which would have been so easy to just book for a yeah. day, they use green screen and it's fake. And you can tell the lighting on them is is fake and added in editing and not actually there. It's it, why? Why do that? Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how how phony it all is. So it's either that it's either that they're just not getting technically skilled people or because they it isn't care. really well, they clearly don't care that much. They care about the money or yeah. it could be that it's not improving more now right it's so close to real enough that our eyes are now adjusting to it and we can find the flaws a lot easier which i think is probably also what's happening or maybe they don't expect dorks like us to pay attention to that shit and just expect that the regular public that are going to be watching it just can't look past it uh even though like for for us that all we do is watch movies and shit like that it might be obvious but i don't know if for like the regular person that just puts this to you know forget about their life or whatever turn off their brain like they said uh even care about that because that the thing that blew my mind the most about this malignant movie was that overwhelmingly positive feedback i saw online and then when i was watching it i was like all right this is this is weird i might i don't know what's wrong with me like i don't know why i'm not seeing everything that all these people are seeing because like none of it worked for me but every comment that i would see in every review was very much like this is amazing this is james one's best uh which is not saying much uh i feel like he's he's become very mike flanagan uh where it's like well he he has a you know a trajectory of uh horror movies so let's give him whatever amount of money he wants and everyone's gonna love whatever they put out and uh it's it is yeah that, here's what i think the problem um, is and and why people where we're making this disconnect when it comes to movies like malignant or doctor sleep is i think that the average uh film goer is so deprived of anything relating to um you know and any like gravity or 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 depth to a like a horror story especially from a big corporate studio that they see something like Malignant, which I think comes in at over two hours or just about two hours, or Doctor Sleep, which is almost about three hours long. And it's a story. Both of these somehow, and I will put Malignant in the same category here, mm-hmm. are story-first horror films. And everything else comes after. And Malignant, the story is stupid as fuck yeah. it's 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 like there's no reason for that to be the case with dr sleep it's just constantly sucking its own dick in the lore of stephen king's book and also trying its best to be like haha this is part of the kubrick film ha this is this is this is in the same tier this is this this is just a continuation and um it listen it's not 
It's it's not what we would. It's not the same type of movie you would get from Warner Brothers in 1995 or 1985. It's not that. It's never gonna be that. It's something that aspires to be that, and you can taste something. There's that flavor that that is similar to that, where you feel like you're getting something a little bit more. You're getting that that just added intellect because of what it's trying, but it's failing. And you've yeah. like you've you've just been sucking down garbage otherwise, and you can't tell the difference anymore. They've conditioned you to accept a very low standard of film. That's all it is. Yeah, very surface level. Very remember this. Very hey, this is related to that other thing that you might remember or not. Uh, Doctor Sleep is two and a half hours, by the way. Um, and the director's so cut that... is even longer. It's almost fucking three hours, and people are like, "Oh, that's even better. That's great." Why? Why? Why would you? What? I I haven't even rewatched it since the the episode that we did on it. What, I was thinking about ago, it almost. I think I, I think it popped up on one of the apps that I have. It might be on HBO Max or Amazon Prime. I yeah. was thinking about rewatching it to see because obviously we we rewatched Hateful Eight, and that was a totally radical, uh, radically different opinion. It was around oh. the same time we did that show. That's been one of our. I think it's our most controversial show. One of the more popular ones as well. People didn't like. Uh, some people completely agreed and saw where we were coming from, but those people were familiar with us to begin with and what we do and what we're about. Uh, the people who didn't seem to be more of a Twitter crowd, more of a YouTube crowd, where they just got one opinion, which was that Doctor Sleep was a good movie, and yeah. they couldn't they couldn't fathom, fathom yeah. our opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, listen, we've been rattling on about this. So Candyman is a not recommend for you. I'd say yeah. if you're really bored, it's only 90 minutes, fuck it. And if you got a good tolerance for for bullshit, for activist shit. <laughs> for bad acting and, and uh, okay looking movies that don't really do much for 90 minutes, then yeah. go ahead. The, the one cool thing is the, the, like you said, the body transformation that he does it is creepy like it, it is very well done but they don't really do much with it by the end of it so uh right. him turning into a honeycomb cool effects cool body horror i think I, it was practical i think so that's good but everything else just didn't really work for me fair enough all right that's been movies for this week tune in patreon.com slash lowers we're going to be talking about the original candy man coming up and uh, if you don't subscribe, you're going to get a little preview on, uh, well, the other day we released this, this episode this week. So uh, thank you for listening.